Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 133. Our Sunday worship service for September 15th, 2019 is service. It is the fourth in the series, Loud and Clear. We're all in this together. Use what God has given you to make a difference in the world. Be a part of the solution. So our scripture today, you know what, let's say this together, if you can see it together. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, as it is written, go do a thing. That's really what it comes down to, but that's the recipe for a lot of really good stuff. You want your life to work better, go do a thing. I like the idea that that part of Scripture is not to any one person, but rather to all of us. Because in a very real way, we have received so many blessings. Look, I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know what you're chewing on right now. I know you can do it. I know you're not alone. But I also know that the way to get through whatever it is that you're going through is to take a minute and go, you know what? I have been blessed in so many ways. Find some time this week to think about all of the blessings that have combined and agreed with each other to get you where you are now. I'm not saying you're done growing. I'm not saying there's stuff you don't have to fix. But what I am saying is amazing things have conspired to get you where you are. I know there's stuff going on in the news and there's things that we want to fix. I'm not asking you to turn a blind eye, but I am asking you to turn the other cheek. Life gets better when we come to it from a place of thanksgiving. As the scripture says, we've all gotten something from God. When you think about it, if there's one presence and one power, it's all God happening. I know that sometimes it's hard to see, but that's what we're here to do. Sometimes we are archaeologists. Our job is to dig a little bit until we find the treasure, you know? But it's there. It's always there. God has given us each something to do, and so as the Scripture says, go do something with it. And so, our moment of review. (laughs) Last week, I talked about the idea that the way to give thanks for something, sounds familiar? The way to give thanks for something is to use what you've been given, right? That's the secret. Don't put it on a shelf. The way to really show that you're grateful is to use what you've been given. And we double down on it, remember? Not just to use what you've been given, but live in such a way that you're asking for more. The metaphor I like is cookies. Somebody makes you cookies, don't put them in your pocket. That's weird. You eat the cookies, you use what you've been given, and you find ways to ask for more. Hey, when are you making more of those cookies? You know what I mean? Life isn't that complicated, guys. Everything is like cookies, I promise. It really is. Life isn't that complicated. Here is the recipe for prosperity. Use what gifts you have been given and let your life be asking for more. Because when you think about it, that is an act of profound, supreme, pure faith. When you act like there's more coming, instead of in fear that there's never going to be any more good in your life. Love like you appreciate the love you have and like there's always room for more love. Live like that. Use the body that God has given you, the time that God has given you like that. Ask for more with your life. 
Use what you've been given and you will surely prosper. But let me put that another way. If you don't want to prosper, act like you are the source of all the good in the world. If you really don't want to prosper, if you're sick of all that good stuff happening, act like you are the source of everything good. Act like it's not going to happen unless you make it happen. Act like you are the only one who knows the right thing. Act like all of the love and all of the good, it all comes from you. Act like you're the only one who knows how to load the dishwasher. Act like it's all you, big and small. If you want to shut off the flow of prosperity, get in God's way as much as you can. Act like you're the source. Or if you're sick of that and you don't want to prosper, you can also act like you're the destination. Right? If anything good happens, get it and hold on to it. Don't let it flow. Don't let it go. If you don't want to prosper, get in the way. Right? I'm not really recommending you try this at home, but you see where I'm going with this. If you don't want to prosper, act like you're the source and or act like you're the destination. Because both of those equations leave faith out. And faith is what makes the whole thing go. But I put that another way. Let me put that another way. Your job is not to make God happen. God is happening. Your job is not to create good in the world. Good's already there. Maybe you're getting in the way by your desire to make it out of the sheer force of ego and willpower. Your job is not to earn the right to live any more than you earn sunshine or gravity. It's already happening, man. Your job is not to hoard it or to earn it or to make it happen or to be afraid of it or to long for it. Your job as a child of God is to be a steward, a caretaker of the flow. That's your job. Your job is to be a caretaker of the flow of good. It doesn't start with you. Don't let it end with you. Be a caretaker of it. Surf that flow in your life and you will prosper. Surf that flow. Make sure that everything you've got is dedicated to making sure that you are a clear conduit for good. Are you holding on to something? Are you trying to create something instead of participate in something? Watch how things change for you when you become a caretaker of the flow. Or let me put that another way. It's like five other ways at this point. Go do a thing. That's really what I'm talking about, right? Go do a thing. Stop stopping. That's the secret. And I know that seems very obvious, but when you think about it, that's a really weird thing to hear in church. Think about how many churches or spiritual centers or temples or whatever you want to call them, where the message is everybody hold still and be afraid of something. Now, I know what you're thinking a lot of times. Oh, yeah, that's why I stopped going to that mainstream church. But I've heard that same message in very progressive churches. Be afraid of the devil or of those people who look different or bad mojo or negative magnetism or weird energy. Or... It's the same old lesson, even if the nouns change, right? So often in so many churches, the message has been not yes, but no. I'm doing this thing, it makes my heart sing, no, don't do that, that's bad, that's worldly, that's sinful, that's evil, that's no, no. How many times? And I never got that. Because what I know about me, what I know about you, what I know about us is that we were built for action. Every single part of us wants to go and do. Think about how hard it is to get a kid to hold still when you love something. When you're inspired by something, when something moves your heart, when your jam comes on the radio, whatever it is, think about how hard it is for you to hold still. When you're excited, the mode is action. 
and you are allowed to have an excited, passionate life. That's what I want for you. So think about that with me. If our whole makeup is action and motion, think about how weird it is that so many times in a religious setting we are told to hold still. When our mode is yes, think about how weird it is that we get told no. And it's something that has bothered me my whole life. I've been a church mouse my whole life, so I've had a lot of time to think about it. And I have my theories. Why does no happen so often? And you have the same theories. Well, it's about control. Yeah, but there's other ways to control people other than no. Well, it's about fear. Yeah, but there's other ways to make people afraid other than no. Why does no keep coming up? And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought about it. And one day I was listening to a podcast. It was an interview with someone who works as a prison guard. And, you know, you've seen the movies. Rough stuff happens in prison. And this person talked about it. was They had written a book about their adventures and stuff that happened and all of that. And I was kind of listening and kind of doing stuff on my computer and whatever. But something really got my attention. They said, you know, they never really told us in training how to stop a fight. And fights happen a lot. Once again, you've seen the movies. It's a, it's a tense environment where there's power struggles and all kinds of hierarchical stuff and people are angry and people feel trapped and all of that. So they fight a lot. And the person said, you know, I didn't really learn as a prison guard how to do that. They never really taught us, but it's important to know how to stop a fight. Because when people fight, you can't fight them or you're going to get hurt or you're going to add to the problem. You get it. You can't pepper spray everybody. That's our motto here at Water and Stone. Working on it. But you know what I mean? You can't do those things. So step one is you have to get in the way. You have to stop the fight. You have to do it. And nobody taught me how to do it, the person said. And it came up. Sure enough, there was a fight. And I didn't know what to do. But luckily, there was somebody who'd been working as a prison guard for a very long time. And they did the weirdest, most powerful, effective thing. These two people were fighting. And the old prison guard came up and said, guys, guys, is the TV on? And the people fighting stopped. And that was enough to get in the way. The lesson was, if I can get you to do something that is completely out of character, completely out left field, completely from someplace else, I can get you to interrupt the thing that you want to do. And as I was listening to that, and I thought about how powerful that is. It works with little kids, too. It even works with little kids in prison fights, but I've not tried that. I'm imagining... But it's really powerful, and it occurred to me that that's why no is so powerful. If you want to control somebody, because my whole makeup is yes, yes, yes. I want to say yes to something. I want to go and do and engage. And if I can get you to believe in no, it's so weird and off base that I can get you to do whatever I want. It's a control thing. It's a trick. If I can get you to believe in no, I don't actually have to tell you anything that's going to make your life better. And it's kind of lazy. One time, I went to a church, and not a, uh, a conservative, old-fashioned kind of church, but a progressive church where they didn't even use the word church, where the person on stage did a good five-minute chunk on how you shouldn't use cuss words. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not crazy about swear words either. There's better ways to express yourself. It, it makes you sound not so intelligent, so on and so forth. But you know what? Sometimes cussing is great. Did you drive here? Yeah, you know what? We want to be careful not to offend other people. You treat people with care. I get it. But you know what? That's not the end-all, be-all of life. And there are studies about how it's not good for you. There are studies about how swearing is a sign of a, an intelligent mind. Whatever. 
But as I was listening to this minister talk for a long time about how you shouldn't cuss, it occurred to me, you know what? There are people in this room who are going through divorce who've got somebody they love in the hospital who are trying to figure out where their next meal is going to come from. And this is the thing we're going to talk about? But it's the same thing. If I can get you to talk about what's bad, if I can get you to think about the thing you shouldn't do, the time runs out and I don't have to ever give you actual tools for making your life better. It's a trick. No never told you anything. Yes is the way that you operate. So ask yourself of the church you go to, but not just that. It applies to church, but it applies to your romantic relationship. It applies to your job. It applies to the way that you keep yourself entertained. It applies to the way that life goes. Ask yourself, does this keep me in the mode of a consumer? In other words, do I just sit still? Or does this make me want to get up and do something? Because my heart wants action. If it keeps you still, it's not helping you. Okay, so fine, sold, got it. I know that I'm supposed to go do a thing. What am I supposed to do? You have officially run it into the ground. What am I supposed to do? I'm so glad you've asked. Every single time, every single Sunday in this series, I've given you five things to do, and you're going to be shocked to find out that today is no different. I've got five things that I want you to try this week that are going to get you into the flow of doing a thing, that are going to get you into the flow of action. There are things that you can do right now that will change things for you. First one, very, very, very easy. Step one, go serve in your community. Go find something to do. This is easy. Go pick up trash on the side of the road. Sign up at a soup kitchen. Pick up a ladle. Go do those things. Go paint something. And we talk about this all the time around here because we're big believers in it. We are what they call a missional church. In other words, some churches are attractional where they want everybody to come in. We're missional where we want you to go out into the world. It works for churches and it works for people. Stop waiting for something to come to you and go be what the miracle looks like in your life. Yeah, man. Amen. I like that. Anytime you have a chance to go do a thing. So this is easy. Every time somebody does it, it changes them. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, I went and I just, I just painted that wall. I cooked a thing and I feel better. Go be what the miracle looks like. So this week, I want you to commit to something. We got lots of stuff going on here at the church, but don't stop there. Find something in your community that speaks to you. Go do something. Commit to something. I promise it will change you. That's the easy one. So first one is, is community. The second one, you ready for this one? Give what you need. I'm going to say that again. Give what you need. By that I mean, by this point, we have, we have been talking and thinking and dreaming and praying about, well, what is it that I require for this life to work for me? And maybe you've had a chance to think about your, I don't know, your credo, your personal mission statement, your thing. Or maybe it's just the fact that, you know what, I've been praying about stuff and I know, <laughs> I know what the problem is. I'm working on a healing or I'm working on my love life or I'm working on the money thing or whatever it is. You have some sense. Maybe you don't know everything. That's okay. But you know something. There's a feeling that you have about what you need. Okay. Good. Now go give that. This is about priming the pump of life. This is about deciding whatever it is that, that I require, I'm going to be the personification of that in my world. And here's what I mean. If you're working on healing in life, make the way that you behave so synonymous with life that that's what people think about. When they see you come and they call you a lively person, be alive in your life. 
If you're working on love, don't sit back and listen to Janice Ian all day. It bums everybody out. Boy, I dated myself with a Janice Ian reference, didn't I? Woo! Don't just sit back. Be love happening. Find ways to make yourself so synonymous with love that that's what people see when they see you. Find ways to give the thing that you need. There is something that you can do today, whether it's life or freedom, prosperity, whatever it is. Be synonymous with the thing that you're working on and all of a sudden it will go away as a need and become a life. I promise I've seen it happen. This works. But I do have a little bit of ground rules here. It is almost never about money. It's really easy to go, well, I need money, so I'm going to give a lot of money. Now listen, we're going to pass a basket in a little while. But you know that's not the point. It's almost never about money, because think about it with me. Give what you need. The thing you need is almost never money. It seems like money would solve a lot of problems, but the truth is what you need is not money. What you need is something like freedom or security, peace of mind, the ability to do the thing you want to do instead of the thing that you have to do, for example. That's not money. Money is an abstraction. Find a way to do some more archaeology and dig a little bit deeper. It's almost never about money. Find the thing that you need and find a way to personify it. Find a way to give it, and it will change you. Okay, community service. Give what you need. This one's easy. You ready? Teach something. Right? Teach something. There's something that you know how to do that you like doing that you can show somebody else. This is very, very straightforward. Go teach a thing. You can parallel park. I'm saying that more as an affirmation for myself. There's something you can do. You know how to do a thing. You know how to jumpstart a car to cook something. You know how to fix a thing, sell a thing. You know how to file a 501c3, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a world-changing thing. The thing that I want for us is be the kind of person this week, commit to teaching somebody you love something, big or small. Here's why. First of all, you will actually learn it. You don't know it until you teach it. My children are beautiful, amazing, talented musicians, but they weren't nearly as good at it until they signed up to be music teachers. Something happens when you are called upon to model it. I've been reading the Bible my whole life. I read it all through seminary. I got excellent grades in school, but I didn't know anything about the Bible until I stood up in front of you. Something happens when you decide to be a teacher of something. You learn it, you model it. But more than that, the reason that this simple little thing is powerful is because you will change when you decide that life is not about what you can hoard, but about what you can share. Let us embrace a paradigm of sharing. It's not about what you give. What you get, rather, it's about what you give. Can you teach somebody something? Commit to that this week. Big or small, doesn't matter. Number four is, is uh, the best one in some ways. Number four is fall in love. Fall in love. Now, I'm not recommending you just go out and buy out the whole Barry White catalog, although if that helps you, that's great. <laughs> fall in love with something. A while ago, Jenny and I watched a, a, a Netflix, I think, special about working an intense job long after the retirement age or they were still out doing something when they were supposed to be too old, their lifespan was longer than it was supposed to be, that kind of thing. You know the idea. 
And they interviewed people all over the world, and they asked them, you know, what kind of things do you eat? And it turns out the diet is very different all over the place. They asked them what kind of things you believed in, and that was very different. Where have you been? What's the climate like? Environmental concerns all across the board. But the one thing that every single person they talked to had in common was that they had something in their life that they loved, something that delighted them. So it was, I love teaching. You can't get me to quit teaching. Or I love cooking for other people. You can't get me to quit doing it. I love thinking and talking about God. You can't get me to quit doing it. I lose track of time when I do it. I love this, whatever it is, big or small. The people who live a long time are the people who love something. You know why? Because it keeps you like a child. Kids are good at loving a thing. I love this cookie. I love this song, this cartoon, this toy, this teddy bear. I love my house and my family. They love so freely and effortlessly because they remember something that a lot of adults forgot, and that is that love increases when you give it. That great breeder-reactor quality of love is the truth about everything important in life. So fall in love. Now, I know it's, it's great if you've got a romantic partner, but I'm not just talking about that. Be the kind of person who finds something that keeps them, here's the fancy words, that keeps them in the realm of intrinsic good. In other words, can you do a thing that's not good because of the reward at the end, but can you do a thing because it's just good to do? I know that Saturday is a great day for not doing much of anything, but decide that some Saturday or whenever you have your chilling out day, get on a quest. Find yourself the best cup of coffee in town. Delight in it. Find what, who's got the best pizza. Where is the best place to see the sunset? We live in an amazing city. Find the cool stuff. Fall in love with it. Delight in it, even though it's going to take you all day and it will do you no good and it's a weird thing to do. Fall in love with something. Be the kind of person who goes on a quest for the most wonderful XYZ. Fall in love because it will keep you young. Okay, you ready? Step five. Step five is tithe. Oh, man, I knew he was going to do that. Ah, oh, come on. Really? Yeah. You know what? Absolutely. Because tithing is a spiritual practice, so of course I'm going to talk about it, but it ain't what you think. Here's some things that tithing isn't. Tithing isn't about an obligation. Tithing isn't about fear. Tithing isn't even something that only happens in church. That's not that. And in fact, if you go to a church where they make you feel bad, that ain't tithing anymore. It's not a spiritual practice anymore. Now it's a have to. That ain't any good. Here's what tithing is. Tithing is something that you do in acknowledgement of spiritual food. In other words, God gave me this thing, this moment, this experience, this lesson, this X, Y, Z, and I'm going to give an acknowledgement that this came from God. That's what it means. Tithing just means I put God first. It's a prayer in action. And yeah, of course you ought to do it in church. Because here's the thing. If I'm not feeding you, what are we doing? I mean, the donuts are fine, but they're not awesome. Well, actually, they are awesome, but you get my point. There's no bad donut. Come on. But you know what I mean. And in fact, people ask me, what title do you like? Mostly I just like my name. I just, just call me Dieter. But people say, do you like being called minister or the reverend? And it's like, I don't need you to revere me. That's not what we're here for. The reason I like the word pastor is that pastor comes from the same root as the word pasture. That P-A-S-T, the first part of the word, means to feed. A pasture is a feeding ground, right? You think about what cows do. Don't think too much about it. 
but a pastor is a feeding ground, and a pastor is someone who feeds. That's my job. And I use that title because I never want to forget that that's why I'm here. I'm not here because it's fun to stand in front of a group of people and say stuff. It is, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here to feed you. So ask yourself, if you go to a place and they say, well, you know, we, we do the love offering, but we're also, if you give a certain amount a month, you can become part of our Golden Eagle Lucky Squadron, and you get a special hat. You get your name on a brick. You get a thing on the wall. You get a special shirt. You get to sit in a special Delta Sky Miles lounge to heaven, whatever it is. Come on. If all of that happens, it means I'm not feeding you. It means i got to trick you, and I will never do that. I'm on camera saying it. You're never going to get that out of me. There will never be a bake sale. There will be baked goods, but there will never be a bake sale. Yeah, don't worry. It's all right. It's all right. Everybody got scared. I might as well have said there will no longer be oxygen. That's not what we do here. We feed, and we give in acknowledgement of the spiritual food. But I want to say it again. It should not just happen in church. That's the secret of this fifth step. Be a tither in every area of your life, because God is happening everywhere. If spiritual food only happens for you on Sunday morning, that's a small window. If my visiting hours with the Father are one hour a week, that stinks. If God happens everywhere, set yourself up to be a tither wherever you go. Because if you set yourself up for that kind of lesson, you will learn it. It's simple. That's how all of this works. We have those comeback cards. You've seen the cards that you give out when somebody does something awesome in the world. And yeah, the idea is that if you give out the cards, it's got the website on it, people learn about the church. But that's not even why we made them. We made them because I want this community to be the kind of community that is out there actively looking for the opportunity to praise something amazing going on in the world. That's how the world gets changed. That's how your heart gets changed. You want this life to work? Tithe. Stop stopping. Do a thing. This is very, very simple. There are some places that go that will tell you to hold still, but I'm here to tell you, you can't help it. You are already serving. Just like Bob Dylan said, you got to serve somebody. It's happening right now. Just ask yourself, what am I serving? And decide if it's something you want to serve. Can you, with your actions, serve love? Can you be synonymous with love when people see you coming? Can they think about love? Can you be synonymous with life? If you can, you will be healed. Can you be synonymous with the answers, with justice? Can you not put up with something that isn't fair? That's what we are called upon. Can you stand up when they see you? Do they see love? When they see you, do they see truth? When they see you, do they see freedom? Because after all, freedom is a choice. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really 
change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person, our street address, and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should, do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.